Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Father, we thank you for your highest and best to be ours while we're here. Not, not just because of me, but with me included in that and the mantle that you give me, the things you put in my mantle and my anointing. We thank you for it. We receive it. We thank you, Father. I pray that my tongue will be like the pen of a ready writer that will put things into people with force and strength and anointing and they'll never be the same. I pray that you'll move mightily in people's bodies to be healed, minds to be delivered, and all that pertains to the things of the Spirit. We ask it in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You could be seated for a little while here. I'm just, I'm on a 10-day 10, 10 tour right now. I don't know if you knew that. I think I was with uh, Pastor Dela Cruz. I like that last name. But I'm not a Dela Cruz, but I like the people, then they liked me over there. It's the first time I'd ever been in that church. So I just really had a great time. Don't let all this shuffling of papers make you nervous. <laughs> You'll be all right, I guarantee it. I do want to share something with you, and I don't know, I think Pastor Debbie, maybe some others from this church were uh, with Pastor Nancy after Dad Dufresne went home to heaven in... Uh, 2013, and it was the next big meeting, I think, well, it wasn't that many, it was a summer meeting in June, and Pastor Nancy got up to speak one night, and I was in the meeting, I didn't know what she was going to say, said an angel came to my home last night and said, I, I have an impartation for Dr. Jacobs, and she began to minister to me and talk about uh, the messenger angels and stuff like that, of course, we've had a lot of angels in our life, we have even more than we had back then, for sure. But anyway, she made this comment about Brother Hagen and something he said. She said she looked for it in the book she had, but she couldn't find it. But she's talking to me about it. That's what I wanted to say to you. So, and I don't normally share this. I've just started sharing it the last month or two. I don't know. Some people are just faster than me. <laughs> but I, I just wait and see the timing of the Lord on a lot of things. And that's kept me out of a lot of trouble. You're not getting ahead of God. Because if you're ahead of God... He's not with you <laughs> in whatever you think you're doing. And it can go belly up. It can really cause a lot of problems. But now you need to keep pace with him too. Not this People that you're always lagging behind. You're never on time for anything in your life. Shame on you. That's what I think. But anyway, I'm not, I'm not your pastor and I'm a prophet. So I may be a little more direct than some people. Listen, I'm not trying to get you. And neither is Jesus trying to get us. If he wanted to get us, we'd be God. Yeah. Talking to you here. But anyway, Pastor Nancy, in talking about this, she said, uh, not only does the messenger angel bring me messages, she's repeating what Brother Hagen said, Kenneth E. Hagen. And he said, the messenger angel works with my message. This is the part I wanted you to listen to me. When I preach, the angel goes and causes that, in other words, that which I'm preaching, and in my case, that which I'm preaching tonight, to have an effect. Amen. I've had people in my church when I was a pastor, some of them have been there 15 years, they didn't get one thing that I could see in their life when they left. Amen. Nothing. But they were in the services, they wagged their Bible around. They tried to act spiritual in a moment when they trying to put on something. 
But anyway, this is what I'm saying to you. If you take a hold of that with me in your faith, then it, the, what I'm going to share with you will have more effect on you than you'd had without his help, the angel's help. Well, I've never heard of such a thing. There's a whole lot you haven't heard. And I'd be the first to lead the pack. There's a lot I haven't heard. People act like, you know, I know everything about angels. That is not true. It's not true. I've been studying them for 43 years. I know a little more than the average bear, but I don't know everything. I found out there was four or five different groups of angels in the Bible that I designated by their designations in the scriptures. I found four groups like that, archangels, the cherubim, seraphim, and I call them personal angels. Some people call them guardian angels. You can do whatever you want. I don't care what you call them as long as you receive them. But then there's a group in Revelation, they kind of identify with the seraphim, kind of identify with the cherubim. So I just call them living creatures. But in listening to Richard Sigmund's book, My Time in Heaven, he was there for eight hours before he came back in the earth. They were going to embalm him. A doctor came in and said, well, prep him, we're going to embalm him. He threw the covers back and said, I'm not dead. Wait, stop. <laughs> and anyway, it was one of my sons and daughters, Pastor Luke and John, they had his book, Richard Sigmund reading his own book about heaven and what he, what he saw. He said, I found there were 12 cases, 12 different dimensions or 12 different kinds of angels. And then I kept listening. I was in bed. I listened for about another 50 minutes. Then he said, I think really there's 70 classes of angels. I think, my God, where am I? I can't find all those in the Bible. But now listen, I've never been to heaven yet. I mean, there might be 150 classes. I don't know. Who are you to say? You have been there, have you? No. There's some things we just don't know. But I do know something about what we're teaching. I'm not teaching on angels tonight. I'm just giving you one up to believe for the angel that told me to preach this tonight. What about the Holy Ghost? He's still inside to me, by the way. I'm not led by angels, but they do bring revelation and they do help me in my ministry. Maybe they help me more than the average person. I would think so just listening to believers talk, but... Anyway, I'll let you decide that, or you don't need to decide it. But I know Pastor Nancy said this too. By saying that there are angels that work with you in the healing ministry, and I'm saying that because they do. And by telling the people about the angels that work with you in your ministry, by giving them the proper attention and recognition, by telling people that they're there, you give them permission to do what they came to do, that is the angels. They can do more if the people release their faith for them to work. Now, I'm not teaching on angels, but nonetheless, they work with me. And it don't matter really what I'm teaching on. The angels who work with me still work. They don't go on a vacation to Florida because I'm not teaching about them. Just trying to help you understand a few little things here. Although I'm not teaching, I'm trying teaching about angels to you. But I wanted you to do that. So if you'll have faith for them to help us, we'll get in a different place. I know Exodus says the angels bring you into the place that God prepared for you. Okay. Thank you for your enthusiasm. All right. Now I wanted to read this prophecy. This is going to be all right. It's kind of a shotgun approach. I know where I'm going. You could just jump in anytime you want. <laughs> this was a prophecy by Kenneth E. Hagen in 1988. And I lost, my, I lost my, my folder on angels, but I had backup. So I got plenty of other notes uh, that are copies of what I had, other than some personal things. But anyway, this was important to me. I think it was you, Pastor Alvin, that got this for me recently at your church. You did a little research. 
1988 at camp meeting, an angel appeared to Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, actually three angels appeared to him. Uh, and he said, uh, said there, there will arise an army, there will arise an army. And these are the beginning of those days, the beginning of the last days that, that will walk in the Spirit. We'll walk in the Spirit. Men and women equipped with the power of the Holy Ghost, they'll learn to walk in the Spirit. They'll learn to join forces with the forces of heaven. And the angels will come and minister unto them. And the angels will come and minister with them. Now, he's the only other human I ever heard say that other than me. So I appreciate that. Angels come and work to me but they also come and work with me. So they're all here tonight. I don't have to know their names either. They're just here. I know they work with me. So anyway, we're going to talk about impartations. And I would say it this way. Go return in your Bible to Romans chapter 1 as I get started with this. I don't know how long we'll go. I'm not trying to wear anybody out. And I was teaching on angels that... Pastor De La Cruz's, that's, I do that typically every church I go to for the first time, unless they tell me up front, I don't want you to teach on angels. And of course, I might ask them now, because I'm a little bolder than I used to be, well, why not? What's your problem? <laughs> then I don't ever get asked back by saying that, but that's okay. <laughs> There's plenty of places that are hungry. Yeah. I don't care if God sends me out in the country with five people, only two of them have any teeth in their head. That's okay. Yeah. As long as they're hungry, I go feed them. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we want to talk about empire. I'd like to say it this way. You right now are a compilation or combined things that you have received, good, bad, or ugly. I don't know. Because impartations are a way of life. You maybe not have thought this way, but I'll help you. When you were born from your mother, uh, she was the first one that gave you impartation. She loved you. Normal women love their children. And this generation so whack, some women just give their kids away or even kill them in the womb. So it's a very abnormal culture we live in anymore. I'm just talking what I know. <laughs> but anyway, the normal mother and father that have children, they want children, they love their children, and they're loving on them. That's imparting kindness and love and affection and all that kind of stuff in the right way. And so, you know, they have a great impact on you, whatever kind of family you grew up. If your mother was fearful and worried all the time, then you may have that in you too. Don't even recognize it. If your dad was violent, uncaring, unloving, you, get, you struggled with that because your dad didn't give you any approval. You know, I'm a man. I paid attention to being a man because I was a man and I was a married man and I loved my children, loved my wife. And I determined they were not going to go to hell. And I told God when I committed to work with him, for him, I said, I'll go anywhere in the earth you send me. But by God, you're going to keep your word to me that you're going to help me keep my kids. Where they end up when they're older, like I am now, they will love you at least the degree I do or more. I said, can you do that or not? He said, I can do it. You keep your word, I'll keep mine. I said, covenant with you. So we went all over the world about three or four times now. Not bragging, but just did what God... You know, it took, took about almost a half a million dollars to send me. And I only had two trips that were ever paid for for somebody, by somebody other than myself. And that's in addition to pastoring church, paying salaries, paying insurance. Yeah. <laughs> and everything else we were believing for. Yeah. Not bragging, I'm just talking. If you don't want to do it, then sit home. 
Yeah. You're not called to do that, but I was, and I knew God was going to deal with me being, doctor always said I was a part-time missionary. Anyway, praise the Lord, just talking. I hope you're getting something so far, but think about that. The people you ran with, people you went to school with, people you respected especially, they imparted to you whatever was in them. And maybe some of them were not so good impartations, but you didn't know that at the time. You weren't that discerning. <laughs> and I wasn't either. And you ran with wrong people or wrong people got in your life. They, they, they took you with them somewhere. I don't just mean geographically, but took you with them somewhere in your thinking. And you thought that was normal. <laughs> and maybe it was totally abnormal. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying I'm talking to you about impartations. They affect you. And I know part, part of the calling in me is to impart to this next generation. God told me about 15, 20 years ago, maybe I'm going to give you a percentage. He didn't tell me how much of the younger generation for you to impart to, especially as you get older. So sometimes we just have uh, meetings like this and we'll just pray for everybody 30 and below or 40 and below or whatever. Then I say, don't come up if you're not going to obey God because I'm going go, to put my faith in the impartation to help you do what God's told you to do. Yes. Yes. I, and how did you do that? I had to figure it out. It is sometimes day at a time. I'm not anything special. I mean, I'm special to God because he died for me. That's how I view it. Jesus died for me. That says it all. None of you died for me. My parents didn't die for me. <laughs> my, my other siblings in my family didn't die for me. Hallelujah. But I appreciate what God's doing and is, has done in my life. And I want to talk to you about impartations. You can get a certain percentage of things from books in the body of Christ now I'm talking primarily through DVDs, CDs, messages you've heard, books that are written that have something in them that's worth reading. <laughs> yeah. I was in a Walgreens one time, and this guy wrote a book on angels for children. It's about a $25 book, had about 18 pages in it. I, sit, I stood in the aisle because I'm a quick reader, read the whole thing. I said, this is a waste of material. This book doesn't have anything in it that should be in it. <laughs> had a fancy cover. None of my books have a cover that fancy. Just thinking. But he didn't say anything that was worth listening to or retaining. Now, whenever you teach somebody something but don't teach them how to do it, you failed. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're talking about impartation. We'll explain it a little more in just a minute. But let me read you uh, Romans 1, if you turned there already. Romans 1, verse 11 and 12. And let's look at this. It says, I long to see you. This is a spirit. This is the spirit of a father really on Paul to help establish churches and to raise up churches and raise up men of God, things like that. I long to see you that I may impart unto you. Now, in this case, he said, I'm going to I'm longing to see you. So he couldn't did everything. You can do things differently through prayer clause. I've had a lot of success with prayer clause. I can't say why I just have faith in them and. Recently, just recently, a person in England wrote me and said, my daughter's seven years old. She's starting to go through puberty. She's starting to grow. Her chest is growing out and something's drastically wrong with her. You know, when you go through puberty at seven, that's not right. So I, I, she said, can you help me? And so I prayed about it. I told Donna, my secretary, go get me some handkerchiefs or our prayer cloths. 
And I prayed over about five of them because she mentioned something else going on that I needed to do with. And she, then she wrote me back. She's in UK, which is London or England, rather. She said, I pinned that on my, my daughter's uh, nightgown when she went to bed. The next day she woke up, all that had went back in. I never had that kind of a miracle before. Did God do that? Yeah, the devil didn't. I know that. Yeah, we get things like that all the time, just unusual things. And I, you know, so, but when people write me and I, I sense that God's on it for me to respond to them some way, I'll pray over a cloth. I can't make it to everybody's personal thing. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd just be all over the world. But anyway, I'm just thankful. I long to see you uh, that I may impart unto you. So there must be something. This is what I want to say to you in finality here. Uh, there's something about being in a meeting with a man or woman of God where I can see you that does something for me. And sometimes, a lot of times, he shows me things. Now, I don't tell everybody everything because some things are inappropriate to speak. But I will go ahead and minister to people sometimes, knowing what they're dealing with or knowing a portion of it. Or maybe I know more than just a portion. Yeah, I had a lady in my church. She's she's 40-something now. She was 20, maybe. Married a guy in my church. She was young. He was young. A normal built woman. A very, uh, you know, attractive young lady. And she was in my church in the congregation like a Sunday night or something. And I called her up. And I didn't have a clue what I was going to pray with her about. Can't even tell you what I prayed. Because I don't remember. I just laid hands on her and prayed whatever I prayed. And started and had some other words of knowledge. And people came. I just said, so and so, I want you to come up here and like to minister to you. Well, she just stood there like this on this, this side, that side of the altar. And I went on down through here and the Lord said, turn around, look. I turned around and look. And there was an angel standing here in front of her and he was pulling something out of her stomach. Not the female area, not her chest, but her stomach. And it was falling on the floor and it just looked, let me just say it looked yucky. I didn't know what to call it. So I didn't tell her that because sometimes people come to church, they're already confused. And I don't want to add to their confusion. And I didn't need to tell anybody about it at that moment. So I just went home with that in my thinking. And I've had angels do a lot of things I've seen them do that are different. But anyway, I went home and I was having a sandwich with my wife and my daughter. I think my daughter was a teenager then. And I said, you know, with so-and-so tonight, when I prayed for her, I saw an angel pulling stuff out of her stomach area. It didn't look healthy. And my daughter burst into tears. She said, well, Dad, didn't you know she suffers with bulimia and anorexia? I said, no, I didn't know that. Who? Well, she said, I thought somebody told you. Nobody told me anything about her. Now, I said she was a normal built lady, a cute lady and everything. But the devil had got to a heart of her mind yeah. that she was under the impression. And I don't know what your sizes are, ladies, so don't get mad at me if I say something <laughs> stupid. But let's say you wear an eight. And he, the devil's telling you you have to wear a two to be attractive. He'll just kill you on that unknown if you take. And so, you know, and then I so I'm sitting at the table with my and my daughter says that I jump up and grab the phone. And I call this. I said, so and so this Pastor Jake, I want to tell you what I saw tonight. Then she broke into tears. And I said, my daughter said you suffer from these two eating disorders. Is that right? Yeah. And she started crying. Said, I'll tell you sometimes when I'm not so emotional. So she caught me in the foyer maybe a month later. And she told me some of the strange things she was doing to herself in the woman's bathroom after she would eat lunch or eat dinner. Stick things down her throat, make her vomit. I hate to be graphic, but that's what you do. When you throw up, you vomit. Okay. 
I know that doesn't sound very cool. But then I went and studied a little bit, looked at some investigation, and they said if you do that enough, you will tear up your, your stomach acids and you'll have a serious problem then. And it could be fatal even eventually if you just keep on doing stuff like that. Anyway, I just thought I'd tell you that. I don't know why I told you, but she got an impartation. I prayed laid hands on her, but the angel worked on her too. Yeah. All right. Let me get back to my subject. I think I'm in my subject. For I long to see you. That's, that's just affectionate the way he says that. That I may impart unto you uh, some spiritual gift. Really, it would read better more. I may impart unto you out of my spiritual endowments. And I looked that word up, the word gift in the Greek. And this is what it means, literally. A spiritual endowment. A miraculous faculty. A deliverance. Or a rescue. I'd say that girl got a deliverance and rescue from God. I was a FedEx guy that brought it. And then the angel worked with me, helped me. Helped me minister to her. I was way over here. He was there by her. And he stayed there and did that. I didn't see him doing that when I was praying for her. But he came to help her too. And she got delivered. She, she said, I've never struggled with that again. And she said, that was 20 years ago. Hallelujah. 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 Now, let me talk to you about a spiritual endowment. This is interesting. I was teaching this in Nashville, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. I'm not even sure. Uh, could have been further back. But anyway, and Dr. Rogan, Keith Rogan, he has pastors in Nashville, and so does Pastor Alvin and his wife here. But Pastor Rogan said there was a lady in the city, very wealthy. Her husband was very wealthy. He'd already died. She was getting elderly. And she put into her will to give Vanderbilt University like $350 million. That's a couple beans and wings, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I use different words to explain things. I think you can follow me if you just listen. You could build a six-story building and hire a world-class professor that studies on cancer research, hire 20 or 30 other associate professors, and have one whole floor that costs, you know, $50 million for the equipment in that one room. Just that one third floor is all equipment. I mean, it's just talks. What happens to that university? All of a sudden, that university, through an endowment financially, can do things it couldn't do before that. So the same is true, the Lord told me, in the spirit. When you have an endowment from God, and I have a healing endowment, a healing anointing. It's different than a gift of healing. I have some of those too, gifts of healings but I have a healing anointing and that's broader and thicker. Yes, sir. Jesus visited me and talked to me about it and I said, well, I believe you're talking to me, but you know what? You're the one that put it in Paul's writing that in the mouth of two or more witnesses. So what I'm going to do before I blast people publicly, I'm going to check Dr. Brother Hagen's records and see if he knows anything about what you just said. And I'm going to study Dr. Dufresne's material. And both of them, I found something they said that Jesus just told me. He said that healing endowment is stronger, wider, thicker. It'll do more for the people than just your gift of healing or several gifts of healing. We, people get hearts around me, new hearts sometimes, or new parts. People get delivered of arthritis and all kinds of back issues, neck issues, bone issues, uh, joint issues where you get stiff and they're hard to work with. I'm just talking to you a minute. So... Anyway, it says, I long to see you that I may, uh, I may impart, that's an impartation to some spirit, out of my spiritual gift to the end, or I would say resulting in you being established. 
I had a pain in my side for 14 years. I've been to all kinds of hospitals trying to get that fixed. I mean, you know, they make me drink stuff and swallow it and put me in a machine, take pictures of my top of my body to put stuff up my backside. It's, it's called a barium enema. It's not a pleasant thing to do to check my bottom part to see if they, and they couldn't find anything. I went to City of Faith and met them out there and told them, why can't you just put me on the operating table and slip me open and cut in there and look around? Well, we can't do that, Dr. Jacobs. I said, well, why not? We just don't operate that way. I said, oh, well, okay. I was nice to him, but, you know, I felt like what I'd come out here for. Anyway, praise the Lord. But eventually I met Dr. Dufresne. And he got in my life, and I think it was just a few years maybe after I originally met him. Uh, we were having lunch one day in my city. And uh, his, he laid his fork down and fire shot out of his eyes at me. He said, Michael, that pain's going to leave you. And secondly, God's going to get you out of debt for all the medic. See, I didn't have insurance. So when I go to hospitals, I have to, you know, they won't do it for free. And they give life, I mean, they give, uh, you know, homeless people checks, but they wouldn't help me. <laughs> That's a little slip that in on you a minute. I'm not against trying to starve somebody out, but I just want you to know my groceries come from my faith in God and he's taking care of me. I'm not applying for nothing. You can do what you want with that. I'm not going to become a what do you got for me deal unless it's from God. All right. Let me get a drink. No, I know that if you're really, you know, and then I had ladies in my church whose husbands ran off on them. After they had the marshals to get them to give them Child support, what a low-life person. And some of them were on food stamps. And I said to this couple of girls, ladies, I said, well, I don't, I don't blame you for using that. I pay for that to give that to you. But I would say to you, get an education and get a good job. And God will bless you even further. And she did. She so went to school and became a dental associate or something with a dentist. Made good money. Had two little girls, no husband. You know, he's running loose. I don't know what he's doing, but... Okay, we're going to talk about impartations. <laughs> that guy got the wrong kind of impartations about women. And they just want to get them pregnant and then run off and never take care of their own children. I, I don't understand that. It says, that is, verse 12, that is, and I may be comforted together with you. And I'm believing for that with you. You'll receive from me. See, I have faith to release what I have to you, and you have faith to receive it. That's, that's how we meet together at this altar for anything. Now, there are some exceptions. If somebody's really had a difficult time, never really known much of the Bible, God, as a pastor, God would help me get those people delivered maybe several times in the first two or three years they were with me and get them healed and talk to them, da-da-da-da, working with them. But if they've been there eight or ten years in my ministry and you didn't learn anything, I'm not going to be able to get you turned when you get a fatal report. I just, you know, I'm just talking to you. God loves you and I love you, but he don't let you just do whatever you want for people. You, you need to pay attention. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people had notes on top of notes because I used to rut people in teaching. I'm not doing that now. I mean, you may think I've rutted you so far, but I haven't. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd read 35 scriptures in one service, and if you got up to use the bathroom, I was irritated. That's how I felt about it. I wasn't good. I didn't. That's not a great feeling for a pastor to have when people are got to pee a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, excuse me. 
I'm going to tell you something. Those same people I saw them in a movie one time, a three-hour movie. They had a 72-ounce Pepsi. They sucked that thing to their their, their 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 bladder was just big, but they weren't going to get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm not after you tonight. It sounds like it, maybe, but you're just going to have to forgive me if you get mad because you won't get anything from me if you're mad at me. Hallelujah. <laughs> that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith. This is what I was going for, mutual faith, both of you and me. I have faith to release what I have, and you have faith to receive it. See, that's, that's important for you to receive it. Don't just get up here, well, Dr. Jacobs has an anointing, so I'm sure it'll work on me. It'll work on you, but you have to be receptive to it. I mean, it doesn't matter to me whether you fall out or not. That's between you and God. But if you come up here like this, you should have just not come up. I'm not going to push you down. But, you know, I'm a little more aggressive than I used to be because Dr. Dufresne put that in me. I'm not going to hurt you, but I'll do my best to get something to you. So we're talking about impartations. I don't think I'm going to get too far tonight, but I'm going to talk to you, read a little bit here. Uh, out of my book on impartations, um, we just read our key scripture here. A, the word gift in the Greek means, and I'm going to repeat myself, a spiritual endowment, a miraculous faculty, a deliverance, or a rescue. Paul was imparting out of his endowment from God to others. It was from a supernatural source. It came from God. It was a miraculous faculty. It provided deliverance and a rescue for the people to whom he imparted. Impartations come to us through men and women of God and help take us to the next level. So all of us as a church here, I think that I could fair to say if I have anointing, which I do, that it'll help elevate all of us to a next level. If you're hungry for it, you don't have to be a five-fold minister to just get these things. Just got to be hungry and want to grow. You know, I think Pastor Debbie said this when she's up here. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He reminded me. She said, you know, God's got everything. He's got more for us. You remember her saying that? But you know where more is? It's right beyond your comfort zone. So if you're at this level and you won't step off the platform, honey, you're not going nowhere. You've got to be willing to step into, and it's right beyond where you're comfortable. I'm just talking to you. I see, impartations come to us, uh, can give us new equipment or enhance the spiritual equipment we already have. I know the word of knowledge, you know, I started operating in word of knowledge in 1978, the day I got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's been a long time ago, 78. But as I grew, grew and continued to grow, and I tried to do my best to not be a baby my whole life. You know, I think it's 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I acted like a child. But when I became mature, I put away childish things. So God's expecting us to relate to him and as he challenges us to grow up stronger and deeper and further and, keep, and just keep growing. But like I said, some of us right beyond your comfort zone. You know, I'm, I made myself in studying on deliverance. I've done that even further than what I've studied on angels that I was not going to be afraid of the devil in any human being or any kind of animal or anything. I just made my mind up. I will run him over if he fools with me, and he knows, and I'm not playing with him. And he did his part to mess my life up entirely. 
So I don't, I, I don't have to apologize for that. Resist the devil and he'll flee. That means he's running in terror. That's what the, that's what the Webster's, the old Webster's, the, the old one that Pastor Alvin bought me. It's about $100. It's, it takes two men to carry it. It's about this thick. But it's got some great definitions, and he puts scriptures by every definition. He was a very godly man, I'm told. But anyway, we're talking about impartations here. Sometimes there will be callings and anointings and mantles that lie dormant. But impartations cause movement and increase, much like a chemical catalyst that causes change, uh, causes change when added. You remember the old Bondo? You guys have, remember Bondo? That was a long time back. Our cars would rust. I lived in Ohio. had a lot of snow back then. And if you, you, get this, you get this stuff, it looks like a mess of stuff. You put it on something like a piece of wood, but then you squirt that orange stuff or pink stuff in it, and you mix it pretty quick because it's going to set up in just a few minutes. And if you don't get it on your car, you're going to have a plate full of stuff. You can't move it. It just comes really hard. And it bonds to the metal in your car, and then you sand it down and repaint it. So that's kind of what I think the impartation is like a catalyst. It stirs something in us. And I know something about me, too. When there's other ministers around me in a meeting where I'm preaching, it does something to my anointing. Like Pastor Debbie being around her, Pastor Dennis and Pastor Alvin. and I don't know if there's any other pastors here, but... Anyway, it just does something different to all of us. All right. Uh, let's see here. And after an impartation, we are suddenly aware of and have a new sensitivity towards and enjoy a more a new accuracy towards the things of the Spirit. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Now, uh, Mr. John Wesley, Dr. Frank gave me, I don't have it with me right now, but I have a sheet of paper that came out of his Romans 1, a Bible, his footnote, and it says they can come, these anointing, these impartations rather can come through this, through prayer. Somebody could pray something and get something on you, get an impart, or preaching like I'm doing now, or laying on the hands, which I will do in a little bit maybe, and also private conversations. Yes. I think with Dad Dufresne, I got as much or more by being with him on personal trips and when he sat down, I didn't try to override him all the time. You know what I mean? Everybody trying to talk. You know, preachers can talk. But I, did, I just let him roll with it. Because I was the student, I was trying to learn something. And so he said I was a good student to him. So I said, praise God. Not trying to, you know, blow my own horn. But I'm just talking. So anyway, we see these other ways that sometimes impartations come through prayer, through preaching, through laying on of hands. And, and I'd say with Dr. Dufresne, I'd say laying on of hands was primary with him. And like it is with me, because I got in trouble with God, I don't know if I told you that, three times in two years, because I kept drawing back from putting my hands on people so much. And he, just, he was kind with me the first time, but he wasn't so kind the next time. And the third time, he was hot. And he said to me at the end of our conversation, I wasn't doing any talking. <laughs> he was talking to me, the Lord. I don't want to have to talk to you about this again, Michael, in, while you're in the earth. Do you understand me? I said, yes, sir, I understand. I'm sorry. I guess it's just insecurity, but I'm going to knock all that out of me. He said, you better. I said, okay, I will. So when I lay hands on people, it's important to me because Jesus personally dealt with me about that. 
Now, I could just pray, speak over people, too, and get some people healed and delivered. I was at the Navajo Indian Nation. I don't know when that was, maybe 1990. My kids were with me. They weren't with me in the meetings. They were in their own meetings. But I just had everybody, I was in, a, it was 300 Indians in this tent with me, Navajo Indians. They'd seemed so stoic to me up to this moment. <laughs> and I gave an invitation for if you're addicted to anything, pornography, alcohol. The alcoholic rate out there is about 90%. Alcoholics, not just casual drinkers. Uh, or you're addicted to drugs or anything that's addictive to you. Come on up here. 30 people ran up in the sand. We had a nice tent. And I just prayed for them from the front and said, come out. And they started acting like the old movies. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just started twirling and fell out in the sand. All got delivered. <laughs> but normally I would lay hands on people. But I'd already, <laughs> the guy that's interpreting for me, I said, what did you say? Because all of a sudden everybody got, got up and started standing against the tent walls. I said, what have you done, Eugene? What did you tell them? I told him you're going to lay hands on them. I said, what? He said, yeah, I said, you're going to lay hands on all of them. I said, oh, my gosh. It's 300 people. <laughs> so I started over here, and I said, just come towards me. I'm going to pat you on the head, and I'm releasing my faith when I do it. I got this one Indian girl. This is a funny story. Indian girl, a young lady. She's probably 20. I said, the Lord told me to tell you, if you want anything from God, you're going to have to run across the front of this sand Right, right next to the platform, and you'll get delivered. And I looked at her and I said, you understand English, don't you? She said, I sure do. I said, either run or get out of my way because I got a lot of people coming. I just shoved her. And I, come on. And I kept pat. And I'd been doing that for about 20 seconds. And those girls, she took off the girl, young single girl, and she picked up two or three other girls, and they were running around inside that tent screaming and hollering. They got on the platform, picked the mics up, and they all started singing in English. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It was on then, man. <laughs> now, that has to be a God thing to tell me to do that. I wasn't trying to be rude to her or mean to her. I said, you understand English, because if you're a certain age, you've had to take it in their schooling out there so they could, you know, fit into America, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, I liked ministering there, but I went three times. All right, praise the Lord. Now, you know, it's just interesting that these impartations, and I have some other alternative translations here of that verse 11. It says, to strengthen you, to make you strong, and to give you fresh strength. So impartations give you just that. They give you fresh strength in things. I remember one time I was at Dr. Dufresne's. Actually, the first time I came out to California, and he was in Temecula then. He had the tilt-up building. And I was in a meeting all week, and by Wednesday, I, I just felt like I wasn't getting much. Now, I, not, to, not that Dr. Frank would do anything wrong, but I said to the Lord, I got along with him that day in my hotel. It was called a comfort inn, but I guarantee you there was no comfort there. <laughs> None. And I said, Father, what's wrong with me? He said, well, what's wrong with you, Michael, is you've been on the, this side of the altar too long, on this side. Ministry, 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 ministry. Give, 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 give. Touch, 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 touch. Give, give, give. Deposit, deposit. But you don't know how to get on this side very good. You're a poor receiver. Man, I got rebuked. And I said, okay, so what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to get back in that meeting. Now, if he calls for praise and worship leaders, you're not. Don't respond. 
But if it's anywhere near what you're thinking you might need, get up there. <laughs> so I did. I started receiving. By Friday night, he was on this end of the platform over there in that building. He saw me way over here. He went, and I ran and come up to him. He hit me about, they said about 30 times. I mean, he hit me in the head, hit me in my shoulders down to my hips and back up two or three times. And I fell out. And then I got my rear end stuck to the carpets like, like glue, <laughs> like super glue. So I couldn't go anywhere for a while. And when I finally could move, I had to just push myself back with my rear end to the carpet. And I went over here. There was a little space here. And I said, can I park here for a minute? And they said, yeah. So I just... <laughs> then I went to the hotel. I think I ate something that night. And I'm telling you what happened. I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And one of my associates at that time, uh, he's not with me anymore, but he was then. Uh, and about 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. And I felt like I was in a science fiction movie, that blue electricity. I felt like that was going over me. My legs were twitching. I had to throw the, you know, the put blanket back, the sheet, and I ran over the end of his bed and into the bathroom. You can't hardly use the bathroom in there. It's so little. <laughs> I ran back out because I couldn't run in there. I ran over his bed, my bed, got to the front door, and faithfully I grabbed the handle to go in the driveway, and I go, I'm in my undies. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be smart. Indiana pastor, you know, streaking in the parking lot of Comfort Inn where there's no comfort. <laughs> but that anointing that I received that Friday night I know it's pretty funny it's the truth but I got back home and I said I got something out there if you want it get up here Pastor Rogan was the first one to the altar and we went into revival for three and a half years the rest of 95, 96, 97 part of 98 every service would just be a blowout you know, but you just, you can't make it happen. You, I mean, you hear about it, but I, I got in it. And, and fortunately for me, I, at that point, something, I think doctor knocked it out of me, maybe. I was so regulated on how I did church. <laughs> I just threw caution to the wind. And if God said do this, I just did it. And then I'm the kind of person that was, I mean, I'm almost too... In my head, he never said I was in my head. He said that to my wife. I appreciate I could say that, but thank you. <laughs> but the thing was that God just would move supernaturally in our services. Never been anything since then or before that or since then. Every service was just I had to be sensitive. I'll tell one story that's kind of interesting. I am going to minister to you in a minute. I don't know if I'm coherent or not. I don't know if you're able to connect the dots <laughs> where I'm going. And that's something else that's happened to me sometimes as a prophet. It's hard for me to just teach line upon line. I do it maybe one in 50 messages anymore, but it's rare. And there's nothing wrong with teaching. I, we all need good teaching, but my God, we got thousands of preachers that just teach, teach, teach. I was looking at some notes that Dr. Dufresne, he shared with me. He said, Michael, I can always find a pastor that'll teach. I can't find them that'll move in the spirit like you. Like me? He said, yeah, like you. I gave your name to some other pastor said, you need to have him. They never had me, but still yet, it was nice that he thought I could do something to help him. <laughs> Listen, I'm not, I don't play games with people, and he yeah. didn't either. Yeah. I don't like that, whatever, what do you call that? Uh, huh? Shucking and jiving, but he used another word. Politicking. Politicking. Ah. <laughs> That's what he used to do. Ah. 
and vomit, you know. <laughs> Excuse me. I was saying something. Oh, I was going to tell you about this. So I was the pastor of the church still, and we were just, it was just, we would get in the service, it'd just be off the chart. I mean, we'd never seen anything like it. We never seen, we had, we, you know, now I know this is funny, you know, Jacob in the Bible, he had a, he had a, uh, uh, a ladder, and I had a chute in my church. It was 12 feet in diameter right off this side of the center of the uh, altar there. And it went out to about this second row of people. It was about 12 foot in diameter. And people got stuck in that circle and couldn't get up for long periods of time. One of my friends got stuck. He's African-American guy, really thin. He's about 6'2". His legs looked like they were 7 foot. And he stuck one leg up in the air by the Holy Ghost and couldn't get it down while Dr. just went ahead and preached the whole sermon and he laid on his back with one leg up in the air. You know, that's different. Yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> I was at church one Sunday and a couple came to me right after service. Uh, Daryl and Kelly, I won't mention their last name, good people. And she said to me, said, could we talk to you just a minute? I said, well, we just got done preaching. We don't normally meet for counseling. Well, we appreciate it. It's an emergency. I said, okay, come with me. Went to the office. She did a talk, and her husband was there. I went to the gynecologist. He said I had cancer of my cervix. He's talking about doing radical surgery on me in about a week. I'm going back. He's going to check me. Then he wants me to do chemotherapy and radiation. I said, well, we're going to pray for you. And I, me and her husband, I said, you lay hands on her with me. <clears throat> and I cursed any cancer and commanded to die and dissipate. So that was on a Sunday morning. We had a Sunday night service. I don't know if they were there then. But the next Wednesday, we had our, we had our midweek service. And I put all the preschoolers, and we had a bunch, because I taught on romance about four or five years ago. See if you catch up on that. So people were doers of the word, and they had children. We had about 30 preschoolers. And in the midweek, is this okay? I haven't violated anything. Am I too real? You hear more than that any night on TV. Even if you don't have Cinemax or Showtime or what all that other dirty stuff is. Regular TV's pretty filthy, I think. Anyway, get back to my thought. So Wednesday night, we're in the service, and I put all the preschoolers for the whole summer out in the service with us for praise and worship. I said, bring your children in, make them sit with you, not their teacher. And have them enter into praise and worship with us. And then when we're done with praise and worship, you can, you can take your kid to the class. So all of a sudden, we're singing some song. I don't remember the song. It's like somebody had a gun like that at the Olympics. You know, they're all staggered. <laughs> and they shoot a gun. Bam. And all the preschoolers ran in the carpet through the aisle. They started running as fast as they could and hard as they could. It was sweet to watch their faces. And they did that for about two minutes, and it's like somebody shot a gun and said, sit down. And they all stopped wherever they were in the sanctuary. Some of them there, 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 down the middle, up the front, down that side. They all stopped and went back and stood by mom and dad. I felt somebody come up on me on my right side, and I turned around. It was an angel. He said, Michael, I've got this basket, and I'm just, what happened? He said, they look, they look like to me softballs on fire, like a fiery softball. And he said, I'm going to put these in your hand one at a time and tell you who to throw it at. He said, the first one I want you to throw is to Kelly. That's the lady that just said she had cancer. That was like, what, Sunday morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three days later or four. And he, I said, Kelly, stand up here a little further. She was 40 feet from me. I threw that. I didn't tell people what I was doing. I said, I just want to do something a minute. And 
I saw that ball lower down, hit her in the lower abdomen, she fell out. I threw one at Pastor Dennis, God said throw one at him, he fell out. I had about 15 or 18 softballs that were on fire. It's what it looked like to my eyes because I'm in the spirit now. And, but it wasn't burning me. <laughs> I didn't have burns on my hands. And I just threw them at the people he told me to. Well, Sunday came again. The next Sunday, Kelly and Daryl made their way to me as quick as they could after the service said I went back Friday and the doctor checked me. No cancer. I mean, he was hyped and he saw what he saw and he saw it's a mess in there and I've got to get this girl some help. But God took care of her through a fiery softball. See, that don't even make sense to say it like that, but I, I saw it and I threw it and it did supernatural thing. I didn't check on everybody to follow up about what they got, but I know Dennis was one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yep, praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Father. I think I want to read you a couple of testimonies. We're just, we're just kind of following the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Dad used to say, I'm trying to find a place to land. This is a, an outstanding miracle. A lady in my church, uh, Kim, I won't mention her last name, but in 1995, I taught on angels for 15 Wednesdays in a row, and every, at the end of every service for those 15 Wednesday nights, I would have a healing line. I said, whatever you got, if you had any kind of disease, mental problem, emotional instability, physical problem, get up here. I would lay hands on them all. And I would lay hands on her that one night. I didn't know what, what was her issue. And she says here, I'd been teaching several consecutive Wednesday nights on healing and angels. And on one particular Wednesday night, he had a word of knowledge concerning female problems. Having suffered in this area for more than two years, I went forward to be prayed for. When Pastor Michael laid hands on me, the power of God was so strong, I went to the floor. And as I lay there, I, two, she told me later, two angels flew in. Now, I came back up on the platform. We had about a two-foot platform. And she's over here, and she's got one of those modesty cloths, but I can see her hands on the side of the cloth. And she's not doing anything to herself. But all of a sudden, there's an area down in her lower abdomen was moving. I thought, something's happening here. Is this Holy Ghost something or other? That's what I knew. A squirrel didn't get loose. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> and so I didn't run to her like a nutty person. Hey, what happened to you? You know, when she's still getting off the floor, I waited two weeks, caught her in the foyer. I said, Kim, come here a minute. Can I ask you a personal question? If it's too, too delicate, you don't have to tell me. But I saw you on the floor two weeks ago on Wednesday. I saw movement down in your lower abdomen. I could clearly see your hands where I could see them. They weren't moving at all. What happened when you fell out? Two angels flew in, she said. One of them reached inside of me. I had female problems, took out the bad part. The one on this side had a replacement part, stuck it in me, and I've been fixed. Now, she gave me this report in 2001. That was six years later. And she says, it was a supernatural surgery. And to this day, I've had no physical problems in this area. You mean angels can do surgery? They can do a lot of things. She didn't even have a scar. I'm telling you, it was just supernatural. This is a couple in my church wanted to have a baby. I didn't know how desperate they were, but they wrote me this. They said, we wanted to honor you on your birthday by giving a special offering to your partnership account and telling you that what happened brought to pass in our lives these two and a half last years. We have loved being your partner since 2017, and we don't take it lightly. Being your partner has brought many things, of course, but this miracle is of special note to us and we need to share it with you. In summer 2019, we began to try to have a baby. This is a young couple too. 
We soon realized nothing was working. We prayed for direction what to do, and not long after praying, God had, had you lay hands on people that wanted to conceive. And the only, only thing I said is, if you're married, get up here. Yeah. So they both came, and I prayed for both of them. And she says, uh, Evan, that's her husband. This is my secretary's grandson. Evan and I went up together to receive. Holding on to that impartation and having the Holy Ghost lead us further, we found out a year later that Evan had less than 1% chance of getting me pregnant. Even after a minor surgery in 2021, the chances lessened, according to the doctor. The doctor was shocked that the surgery didn't improve anything. However, we held on to Hebrews 11.11 and the power you imparted praying for us in 2.19. And now we have Phoebe in our arms. When you don't quit, you win. As a bonus, I had the best pregnancy and delivery, which are other miracles, and even got to go to our summer camp nine months pregnant. There's a picture of the baby, you know, with a, a ultrasound, and this is the baby they're holding her. Yeah, wonderful testimony. This, this isn't boring you, is it? I, okay. This is from uh, a, a newer pastor, but I've known him for many years, Brandon Thompson and his his wife is Tiffany Thompson now, and they have a son named Ibbett who is like seven years old and like a college brain. I don't know where he gets that. He knows all about outer space and everything. Yeah, his dad said, ask him about something about the planetary system, solar system. And he started down the thing. This is the first planet. This is that X amount. He told me the dimensions of the planets and how far the next one was. We're expecting big things for him, you know. <laughs> But this is from his father, uh, uh, praise God, Brandon Thompson. I was 11 years old when I remember first having severe stomach pains. Every year of my life, I had spent time in the hospital because of it, often a week or more at a time. I was later diagnosed with chronic pancreatitis that would flare up once or twice a year, which would hospitalize me for at least a week each time. Since the only way to treat pancreatitis is to shut down the digestive system, I wouldn't be able or allowed to eat or drink anything for a duration of the time I was in the hospital. 2013, I was a 31-year-old man. I was hospitalized three different times for pancreatitis. The third time was the worst. I spent a week in our local hospital, but they weren't able to help me, so they moved me to a bigger hospital in a bigger city. And uh, <clears throat> I went to a larger hospital to figure out what was going on. Over the next few days, I continued to deteriorate to the point I knew I was dying. Uh, what, what happened was, I'm, I'll just tell you this, because somebody called me from their church, because he was a member of a church then, he's a pastor now, that he's in the hospital, and I started to pray for him in my office. The Lord said, don't pray for him, you need to go to him right now. So I called Sean, who works for me, I said, this is Dad, can you take me down to Bowling Green, it's an hour and a half drive one way, maybe two hours almost to get there. I need to get that hospital immediately. And so he's laying in bed, and he tells that story, uh, that the Lord instructed me to, to come pray for him. He, when I walked in the room, I tried to open my eyes, he says, to greet him, but an angel that works with him in his healing ministry was behind him, and the light shined so brightly that I couldn't keep my eyes open. He laid his hands on me, and the power of God flooded my body. body. I knew it would be okay. Immediately, I began to improve, and th approximately 36 hours later, he was discharged from the hospital. Now, I'm telling you, it was a miracle. Pancreatitis is very serious. My, my sister died of it just a few years ago, pancreatitis. And she wouldn't let me pray for her. She didn't want anything to do with me praying for her, so I couldn't help her. Here's a young lady that had scoliosis in her spine. 
I think I was at Pastor Randy Parnell's church down in Kentucky. The lady said, my daughter was 14 years old, diagnosed with scoliosis. Dr. Jacobs prayed for her in August 2018 at Word of Life Church in Columbia, Kentucky. The following May 2019, she went to an orthopedic doctor for a possible back brace. New x-rays were taken and showed that she no longer had scoliosis. Doctor said the curvature straightened out. Today she's 18 years old with a perfectly straight spine. Now, <laughs> hallelujah. I just read this was a shorter one here, but I'm going to stop. It says a young lady uh, wrote this to me. She said, I, in March, March of 2022, I started having horrible nightmares every night when I went to sleep. Prior to this, I had never had an issue with nightmares and normally had no trouble sleeping. These nightmares seemed to last all night and very disturbing. I often felt shaken for over an hour after waking up the next morning. I told Dr. Jacobs about these dreams, and he laid his hands on me and prayed a prayer of deliverance. Since then, I've not had another nightmare. He also recommended that I read his book, How Far Does the Blood Go? I did, and I, be I believed it was help me stay free as I pleaded the blood over my mind every night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another guy here got healed of hepatitis C. That's pretty, you know, and I had hepatitis C too, and God healed me. But anyway... Did you get anything tonight? <laughs> I'm not sure what I taught you, but this is kind of the way I function anymore. I'm not trying to be smart aleck or weird. Not at all. But I'd like you to stand up with me. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.